Today on Gamerhead Radio, episode number 113, we're recording live at the Galloping Ghost Arcade. Gamerhead Radio starts now! Welcome to Gamerhead Radio. I am one of your three, uh, sort of four, hosts today. Uh, Jonathan Santiago, a.k.a. Fallon Flynn. Uh, I'm Goat. <laughs> Hi, Goat. And I'm Charlie Technotronic Unworthly. Thanks very much for coming out to see us, guys. Really appreciate it. And also with us today is the, uh, the proprietor of this fine establishment, uh, Galloping Ghost Arcade, Mr. Doc Mack. Hi, Doc. How are you? Hey, everybody. How's it going? Great. Thanks hey. for having me. Thanks for having us. Uh, he, says, he thanks us for coming to his establishment and providing entertainment. Uh, no, thanks, man. Thanks for having us out. So, uh, what did you guys do this week? Tell me. How was your week? Tell me about your adventures. Uh, my side of things, I spent a lot of preparing for this. Live shows always seem to take up a lot of my schedule beforehand just uh, because I am OCD and anal retentive and a really horrible conglomeration of panic is really what it all comes down to. <laughs> so what and you're saying so, is you're, you're a tech person. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sort right. of a nerd, yeah. Uh, also, like, real quick shout out to our fifth co-host, uh, Roadrunner, behind <laughs> me. That's, uh, you're pretty much every 45 <laughs> seconds, you're going to hear a meep meep. You're not crazy. That's just the cabinet that's sitting behind He's me right now. He's got an opinion, too. That, uh, it matters. Picking up. So, yeah. <laughs> Goat, how about you? Uh, let's see. What did I do this week? I went to ministry show last night at the House of Blues. That was fun. Uh, I had to save my voice for this, which was weird not to yell and scream and be a nut. Really get into the mic. Oh, I got to get into my mic. Got you it. You got to put it in your mouth. Yes. So um, other than that, just playing games and doing music stuff as usual. Yeah. Nothing out of the Sounds ordinary. like normal for you. <laughs> uh, I spent my week recovering from uh, the, the live VS for Villains show last week. It really hurt my body. Uh, played, uh, did some different gaming this week, though. Uh, I kind of stepped away from my consoles a little bit and tried to play with some uh, mobile stuff for a change. Uh, but that was it, man. Just uh, did, nobody asked you, Roadrunner. Um, <laughs> but that, that was it for me this week. Doc, yes. how did you spend your week? <laughs> uh, we have uh, just added a new section to the arcade. So I've spent uh, pretty much the entire week looking for new games and fixing uh, a bunch of new stuff for the floor. Awesome. Well, can't wait to get our hands on them after the show this evening. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. Um, Charlie. Let's talk about yes. what came out this week. Well, what is coming out this week? <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I meant. So on the 12th, you've got Attack on Titan, Humanity in Chains coming out for the 3DS. Final Fantasy X and X2 Remaster on the PS4 and PSN. Uh, Invisible Incorporated on Windows, Mac, and Linux. Nom Nom Galaxy. Shut up, Roadrunner. Nom Nom <laughs> Galaxy on the PS4 and Project Cars on PS4 and Xbox One. On the 13th, Lifeless Planet on the Xbox One. Uh, I have to be honest, I don't really know what any of these games are so far, except for Final <laughs> Fantasy and Attack on Titan. Uh, and on the 14th, 3D Thunderblade on the 3DS, naturally. Uh, Axiom Verge on Windows. Galactic Civilizations 3 on Windows. And Not a Hero on Windows, Mac, and Linux. Uh, Emphasis Mine. So, yeah. I, I just imagine if you're going to say the name of that game, you have to say, I'm not a hero. So, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Fair enough. A, a variety of things coming out, I think we say. So, um... Let's talk a little bit about what we played this week. Uh, Charlie, do you have any time to get into anything good? Well, um, 
I, I, I have to start off because I feel responsible for the, uh, the Grand Theft Auto Online session that we had the other night. It was um, delightful. Let me, let me tell you guys something. One of the, one of the funnest <laughs> things... <laughs> uh, one of the funnest things I think I've ever done is... Um, so in Grand Theft Auto Online, if you haven't played it, um, there's a ridiculous amount of stuff that you can do in this game. And one of the things you can do is races, of course. And one of the things you can race are monster trucks. Well, let me tell you, one of the funnest things to do is when you're setting up a race, you have options of what you can do with the game. You can lock the perspective um, so that you have to be, you know, it's, it's first person inside the car. Doing an off-road race, when you, like on a, like a mountainous track, with, in first person in a monster truck, chaos and madness and it was hilarious and it was ridiculously fun I didn't realize until the, the race had started that it was locked into first person I'm fine driving in first person but when you're driving in a monster truck that's uh, you know several feet off the ground and you're driving uphill a mountain and you can't see anything except for the sky you start rolling backwards downhill and half of the match was spent, everybody was horrified, because it wasn't just the three of us playing. Uh, there were a bunch of random folks playing on the server, too, and uh, everyone's careening out of control and crashing and rolling down this hill, and Charlie is cackling at everybody. All you hear is him laughing in the background at everybody's misery. Such a kind host. Misery, come on, that was good fun, and you know it. It, it was good fun, for, for you and I, but I think the random people in that server probably, probably blocked you on Xbox Live. <laughs> you know, I probably should go back and check my player rating after right. that. It might have that's gone right. down a couple points. Yeah, yeah. That's okay, it was worth it. That's it. Um, that's about it for me, really. I uh, haven't had a lot of time to game too much recently, but um, yeah, that's me. Go. Uh, let's see, I did some random weird stuff. I went back to Trivial Pursuit. Just to Trivial bug. Pursuit? Yeah, just to bug you, John. Yes, went back to it. Trivial Pursuit. Did you, um, did you do it while wearing a, a sweater and your slippers after doing like crossword puzzle in the newspaper? No, I, I'm a Sudoku, man. <laughs> so I did that for a little bit. Uh, I picked up uh, dun- Dungeons. No. Double Dragon Neon for $2.50 off Xbox Live. Yeah. And um, I have a qualm with this game because it gave me an uh, achievement for pressing start to start the game for one <laughs> gamer point. Just one. Look, man, uh, just be lucky they gave you anything, you know? Which, I don't know, put me back even. Uh, and then that's about all I did. It was a real light week for me. Uh, I, I, as I said uh, just a few minutes ago, I did a little bit of a different thing this week with my gaming. I, instead of playing what I've been playing for the last few weeks, I just get caught up in what I've been doing. I decided to try out some mobile titles this week. Um, I played a game uh, by a company called Mediocre Games, oddly enough, uh, called Does Not Commute, uh, which is obviously play on the words for the phrase does not compute. It's this weird uh, top-down little driving game where you get 60 seconds and there's a bunch of random cars around the map and you send them, you have to send them to exit from a certain part of the screen and when you tap the car, the screen, the car moves and you have to steer it and try to find the most efficient path to the exit. But what happens is there's 15 cars per map and when you pick, go to the next car, it replays what you did with the first car, and you have to get them there without crashing them into one another, and after 15 cars are on the map all careening into each other, it just becomes ridiculous. At first, I thought it was bad, but I actually really enjoyed it. It turned out to be a lot of fun. Um, played some more uh, you know, Mortal Kombat X. Not done with that. I'll be, I'll be working on that for a while. <laughs> I have a feeling I'll probably be playing it here this evening as well. Um, and then I played the Mortal Kombat X mobile app, which finally came out for Android uh, this past week. Uh, and it, it ties in well enough if you've played any of, uh, you know, um, 
NetherRealm and Warner Brothers, uh, you know, mobile games that that tie into Injustice or uh, Mortal Kombat. They've got one uh, WWE app that's kind of the same style thing. Then you know what to expect. It's fairly similar stuff. Um, there's still work. You can tell they're still working the kinks out of the, the mobile app, but it's. Um, it was fun. It was a good, it was a good time. Oh, and oddly enough, I went back and played um, a Call of War as game this week. Um, you played it the why. week before too, didn't you? I, I started it, but I actually dug into it, and for some reason, I'm still playing. It's not what I expected, and it turned out to be pretty entertaining because uh, I just like Western stuff. But uh, that was it for me. Now, uh, Doc. <laughs> I, it feels almost silly to ask you what did you play this week because I, I, I see it one of two ways. You either are so tired of playing everything because you're always working on these machines or, uh, or you maybe you just don't have time. But what did you do with your week for gaming? Uh, no, I I'm, I'm definitely get my gaming time in. There you uh, go. This week, it's pretty much all the new stuff. Uh, Lunar Lander, Assault, Roadrunner. Um, right on console, Mortal Kombat X, and uh, Resident Evil Revelations 2. Uh, awesome. But mostly just everything here in the arcade. See, I, I picked up Revelations 2 as well uh, yeah. while it was on sale, and uh, I've only played the first chapter. What do you think of that so far? I'm still digging it. I yeah. had, uh, it's, it's been difficult uh, just with so much new stuff coming up here. I don't have a lot of time to play console. Yeah. And uh, with Mortal Kombat X being out, I'm want to spend a lot of time on that but it's where's uh, the time yeah. right you gotta yeah. you gotta balance it all <laughs> yeah man not enough hours in the day that i can relate very true <laughs> uh but yeah I, I think i think that's as much time as any of us could squeeze into play anything this week you know yeah um, maybe we'll have some more uh some more grand theft auto ridiculousness one of these days i'm going to edit together all the uh the the clips that we'll capture because we'll be in the middle of playing and so much ridiculous stuff happens that we'll record it and uh, it just it just sits on the hard drive so maybe one of these days we'll piece something together and throw it out there because it's hilarious right? yes I would have to say that for us it is Grand Theft Auto Online Xbox record that yeah yeah I I have this long running joke in my household I have a six month old at home and he's just starting to kind of make uh, wordy noises and I have this this joke with my my lady that. Uh, my son's first words are probably going to be Xbox on <laughs> or Xbox. God, I hope it's not Xbox turn off, you know, uh, but probably one of those things. Well, yeah, I got to start them off right early. Young. It's good. Okay. Well, now that you know, we did the last week in video gaming. Let's see what the industry did last week in video gaming. All right, so coming in at number five this week, uh, it's probably a little bit less news and a little bit more... Um, <laughs> fluff. F- fluff. <laughs> um, Nothing wrong with fluff. A lot of people, we <laughs> talked about it last flubber. week on the show. Yes, yes, very good. <laughs> we talked about it on the show last week, but uh, Konami's having a lot of problems, obviously, over there, uh, you know, with Hideo Kojima's departure and PT being completely scrubbed from existence at this point, it seems now, as well as the official cancellation of Silent Hills. Unfortunate for everybody, but uh, somebody managed to find a, uh, a bit of humor in the entire thing. The, uh, the fine folks behind uh, the game Goat Simulator have decided to add uh, PT or Silent Hills and Hideo Kojima to the credits of their game as like a, uh, a tribute slash rest in peace, you know. Um, you know, they basically came out and said that uh, they felt bad that the games were not, that the game wasn't going to exist and that uh, Hideo Kojima was no longer going to be 
working on anything at Konami now, and uh, those guys never cease to uh, to amaze with their their uh, ability to pump humor into things that uh, probably weren't very funny to start with. Um, and then also uh, on that same front for uh, Goat Simulator, they uh, are parodying the game uh, DayZ and uh, put out an expansion this week called uh, Goat Z. Uh, I can Which, think of at least one person that's looking forward to this. Oh, yes. It crosses over. <laughs> oh, look, I'm all over it. Because you've been furiously playing Goat Simulator, yes. haven't you? Oh, that's good. <laughs> good. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I think when, uh, whenever something really ugly happens in gaming, it's, uh, it's always a good thing for somebody to find a silver lining in it. And maybe the only funny thing about the entire situation. So, um, if you want to check it out, it is part of the new uh, expansion that they just put out uh, for Goat Z. It's in that portion of the credits, and they, they put screenshots of it up online. You can find it to check out there. But uh, I just thought it was a kind of a funny and interesting thing that they decided to do that. So, Duck, have you got a chance to play Goat Simulator at all? I have not. Oh, you're missing like out. something you'd enjoy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you like just incredibly fun, stupid humor, basically? And chaos. Sometimes. <laughs> then you probably enjoy it. There you go. I can't imagine uh, that a man that works around this much noise all day wouldn't just want more noise and crazy chaos in his world. Um, but uh, we're going to go ahead and move on to number four. Um, Mortal Kombat uh, was just patched this week on the PC uh, to bring their netcode up to par with uh, the console versions of the game. Unfortunately, it didn't go as smoothly as everybody had hoped, and a bunch of folks that uh, were playing it on the PC had their save data erased by this, uh, this buggy patch. Um, so that wasn't the feature of the patch? I don't <laughs> think that was the desired intent. You uh, get to start over! Yay! Yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah. Uh, yes. Day one patch, start over patch, three days no, later. No, <laughs> man. And my brother is uh, somebody who plays on the PC, so immediately when I read this, I called him and I was like, don't stall anything! <laughs> don't put the patch on your computer, as you know. Um, fortunately, it, it, it was caught early enough, I'm sure, um, as a result of the, uh, the thunderously loud screams heard from around the world from the, the PC players. It was caught early enough that uh, NetherRealm pulled the patch and said that they're going to remedy it. They're not going to put it back up until they figure out what's wrong with it. And uh, they're trying to figure out what to do in order to, um, in order to make this right for the people that... Uh, that had the issues with the patch. I feel bad for you know both sides, the NetherRealm folks and uh, the people who uh, who had their save data erased. Because I've put enough hours into the game now and unlocked enough stuff in the crypt that I would be. I don't know if I could start over. I don't know if I would go back and do it again. You know, with the with the little amount of time that I have during the week. I. I the, think. the upside is that at least it's a game that has a lot of good replay value. It's not like an RPG and you're like 70 hours into it. And I was like, here's a patch. Oops, guess what? No more save data. Of 71 uh, hours. <laughs> yeah. No, I've had it happen. I, I, I'm sure that I've had it happen more than once over the years, but uh, not, not in recent history. And with my son at home now, I have so little time to play in contrast to what I used to that uh, I just I don't think I can recover from it. Have you guys ever lost save data on something that wasn't an RPG, something like this fighting game? Well, I mean, I don't think I'll Ori and the Blind Forest as being... Uh, oh, yeah. That was on purpose, man. wasn't it? That was intentional. You just reached it, into my heart and were like, hey, remember when that happened to I you? May, I may have said it Yeah, if, if, I mean, I'm sure everybody here knows about this story, but when I had my 
Um, so Ori in the Blind Forest, it's uh, it's kind of a it's kind of a sideways scroller, kind of actiony RPG uh, game that's on Xbox Live right now, um, and the game has a bug in it where sometimes. It, it won't erase your save files, but it will just sort of forget your progress for the last several hours. And uh, there's a part in the game that's a, it's like a tree that you have to like climb out of. It's very hard because the tree's like flooding behind you, and so it's like a race against it. It's v- very difficult. Exactly. And, um, <laughs> and so I got out of this tree, finally made it after like 20 tries, not exaggerating. Uh, got out of there, uh, played for like another two hours, saved, went to bed. And this is a game where it's, you really have to take effort to save. Like you can like spawn save points. Um, and so it, it's, you really have to like put mind into saving, and I did it multiple times. But um, I came back the next day, and I load up my game, and it was like, guess what, you're at the bottom of the tree again. And I was like, That's, I, I did this already. I don't want to do it again. And, uh, but it made me do it again, and so I was sad. And so uh, and they, they have not patched this yet, so hopefully, uh, hopefully Mortal Kombat will get patched fix, uh, quicker than Ori has, because as far as I know, it has not been patched yet. No, you know, I, I can't imagine, though, that if, if you have already existing save data, I wouldn't want to start it up for fear that I'd lose it, even though they pulled the patch. Yeah. If you've installed it already, it's on there. Um, and a lot of people, that's part of the problem, is a lot of people installed the patch before it was pulled off of there. So I, I just, I wouldn't be able to play. I'd be terrified to open up the game. The upside to being on PC is, at the very least, like, if you're worried, you can probably figure out where the save files are on the computer, make a copy of it, and so that way, if it does screw up the save file, you can just restore your copy. So at least there's yeah. that. It's the people who don't know about it that, that got hurt by this. But yeah. uh, at, you know, least that, uh, at least you have that option. There's a lot of, a lot of bad things that happen in gaming lately when it comes to unfinished things or buggy things that are put out. But I feel pretty confident that uh, the good folks at NetherRealm will fix this up. They've got a great reputation seem to always take care of their folks. So you know, hopefully they'll get that done for the people on the PC soon. You ever, ever, have you ever had anything like this happen to you, Doc? Uh, probably the last time I've lost uh, a game like that was probably on the Genesis. <laughs> oh, wow, that's a while ago. Was it like the battery in the cartridge died, something like that? No, or? no, just oh, somebody okay. had uh, played over one of my files. So. Oh. so at least you had somebody to blame. Like somebody <laughs> yes. that you could go to and like throttle them. And just, like, you, yeah, so at least, at least you had that going for you. We, all we have are faceless developers on the other side of the country somewhere. So. I, I just, it just made me recall... Uh, probably the, the worst thing I've ever seen happen to somebody in terms of lo- losing their, their progress or save data in something. My father uh, and brother and I used to play a lot of JRPGs together. My dad would sit down and we would just all three play them at the same time. My dad, uh, from the time that he started Chrono Trigger to the time he finished it was almost a year. And it's because he got some 40-plus hours into the game. And then I don't remember if it was me or my brother saved over his data with a new game. I know. I look Ricky shaking his head over here. <laughs> I was the way we blew it, you know. We had to go. It, going to tell our, our father that we saved over this 40-plus hours a game was probably like, uh, like Cameron from Ferris Bueller trying to explain to his father that he, he killed the car. <laughs> You know, and so we said, Dad, we sit down. We need to tell you something. And he's like, what? What did you do? <laughs> we killed the car. <laughs> I was inches from watching not only does a double whammy, not only a grown man, but my father cry. <laughs> uh, he didn't want to play it. He wouldn't touch it. We, my brother and I uh, played through it together to get him back to approximately where he was. And we were like... Here you go, man. Finish the game. And he went back and finished it. But uh, there was a minute there where I didn't think he would ever see the ending to Chrono Trigger. 
Sad, sad story. <laughs> just sounds, Cautionary tale, really. It just sounds like six months of uh, lawn chores and never seeing the light of day. And explain to your friends why you Fortunately, were grounded. Fortunately, <laughs> he's, a, he's a very kind man, and uh, he did not flog us or ground us or, uh, or, or take this, uh, our Super Nintendo away from us. Would have been the worst thing. All right, moving on to number three. After decades of efforts, Miss TV live action show to debut on Hulu. A missed TV show. So uh, Legendary TV announced today that it has signed a deal with Hulu to air the upcoming Miss TV series, and it looks like the show's getting some serious Hollywood treatment, as is fitting for one of gaming's oldest and most beloved franchises. Um, so one of the co-creators of Mist, Rand Miller, um, still owns and operates the system, or excuse me, operates the company that produced Mist originally. Um, and, and they're being consulted on this. They're going to work on this together. Um, he was... Uh, they were approached, I think it was uh, last year, to discuss turning this into something live action. And there have been many different iterations of this that were supposed to pop up over the years. It just never came to fruition. I would be willing to bet that anybody under the age of 25 in this arcade doesn't even know what Mist is, which is a shame. You do! We have a winner! we got two, three! <laughs> there you go, there you go. How many of you actually played Mist? Yes, that's yeah, good. that is oh. not enough of you. Fix that right I'm, now. Uh, but Go but more right people later. than I thought. I'm really wrong. I count for like four or five people. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> now, um, the vice president of business development at Cyan, which is the company that operates Mist and still owns the license for it, um, Blake Levin said, "I'm very excited to see the script. Uh, both both he and Corey Lanier of Legendary TV." Uh, are really big Miss fans apparently, so they're they're rallying for this to be a positive show. Um, there was another quote that came out from Rand Miller himself that said, "We've been wo- we've been working closely with Legendary to find a partner that shares our passion for a show based on Mist. Hulu's excitement about this project has exceeded our expectations, and they're committed to raising the bar on this burgeoning new arena. We're thrilled to be partnering with them." So. We're starting to see a lot of original programming come from streaming places, Netflix, Amazon Instant, and it seems like Hulu's trying to get in on the action. Um, considering that there's no um, real sort of face protagonist um, in the Miss series, how do you think they're going to tell this story? Like, how, how do you think would be the best way to, to convey this to people, you know, uh, on a TV show? And how much TV show could you really get out of Miss? Well, the nice thing about stuff like that is that it's a, it's a lot of a blank canvas, you know? Like, you've got the general plot, you know, with the brothers or whatever being trapped in the books and, uh, you know, the people, like, the guy who set up the island and, um, you know, especially if you get into, like, Miss 2, 3, and 4, I mean, like, there's, there's a decent amount of very generalized narrative there that you can play off of a lot. And, I mean, like, you know, when, a lot of times when you see TV adaptions of things, like, you know, we see it with Game of Thrones and Walking Dead a lot, you see, um, you know, they, they'll sometimes invent characters. They'll, they won't necessarily stick to being exactly to what the source material is, you know, they'll make it more interesting for TV. They almost have to. You know, it's a different medium. And so, you know, I think, I think there's enough of a, of a, you know, a good, sh- a good you know, starting point, a good shell in the Miss storyline so that they could add to it. And they could give, you know, they could pretty much do whatever they want with the personality of, you know, whoever the main character ends up being. And, um, I mean, they could even make it multiple main characters. I mean, like, they can really do whatever they want with it. You know, they've, you know, the... As long as you've got the generalized idea with, I don't know how you solve a puzzle in a TV show and make it interesting, but, uh, you know, I guess that's the only thing they got to really figure out. Sherlock Holmes does it. 
What's that? Sherlock Holmes, he, he solves puzzles weekly. Well, okay, yeah, that's true. Uh, depending on how they go about it. Yeah. They just have to make it a little more complicated than standing there and like twisting a thing for 20 minutes until you get it right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I've, I've played only the first Myst, and I, and I probably only got halfway through it because I was one of those, uh, one of those hyper children that couldn't sit still. And uh, I was so intrigued by how pretty it was. Uh, until you started playing it and it was just shifting from screen to screen. I didn't, I didn't, that didn't resonate with me as a kid, so I never finished it. Um, but, uh, you know, it was definitely one of those games when we were younger that was, you couldn't really escape it. It was, it was you know, on the PC, uh, it was just one of those things. It was one yeah. of those games that everybody played on the PC. Uh, did you play, did you play Miss back in the day? I played the demo of it yeah. uh, very briefly. Yeah. I didn't spend much time with it, but you got to wonder if they're going to be doing a new game. Based you know, on the new show, then why yeah, it would be? It would almost make sense. Why wouldn't you? You know, I mean. So that's you got a great point. Um, you know, I would check it out. You know, what little I know about Mist, I would be absolutely interested to see it. You know, I'm pretty sure you can get Mist on like iOS and Android now. I mean, that actually makes for a pretty decent mobile game when you think about it. Yeah, um, yeah. Before as it's long as they get the interface right, for, as long as they did it right for touch, I mean, that that would make a pretty decent mobile game. So. Um, for, for those of you that, that maybe don't remember what it is, this is so hard to explain to a, a, a generation of people now that everything is in high def. But if you, could, if you could imagine at the time, the closest thing that you could get to like a high definition photograph that you could interact with on some level. Keep in mind, this is at a time when people were still on dial-up modems and, you know... The concept of, of something this high of a resolution just being displayed just didn't really exist. Um, you were basically playing a fancy picture. Like, <laughs> yeah. ooh, that's a fancy picture. I'm going <laughs> to click on it. I'm going to click on it all day. And that's what it was. It's like an uh, interactive screensaver almost. Yeah, <laughs> which is like, like, by today's standard, sounds like the least riveting thing on the planet. You know? But that's, that's what it was, you know? and it was a big deal at the time. You know, if they're doing this with Mist, I hope they do this with Seventh Guest, because I think that's another like old game like that that they could make a really interesting show out of. Especially because there's a lot more story there too to work off of. Um, probably. See, I've played more of that, and it would probably be easier to roll uh, a, a more cohesive narrative out of. Probably, I would think. Yeah. You know? Either way, we've said it a bunch of times on the show. Anytime something comes up in terms of media for gaming, if it's movies or TV shows, uh, as long as it's good, yes, let's do that. You know. Because there's enough bad video gaming movies and TV shows and things out there. And we're all stocked up on the bad stuff. So we'll see what comes out. There's no word on the release date for it. It's just in the development stages. No script. You know. So, I mean, like, we're at the, the very beginning of this. So who knows whether or not it will actually come to fruition. But I'd like to see it happen. We'll see what happens. Yep. All right. Moving on to number three. Oh, I'm sorry. Actually, this is number two. <laughs> Yay, Lost counting. Eye. Yay. Um, <laughs> Sony is forcing anybody who's putting up uh, PlayStation 4s with copies of PT pre-installed on it, they're forcing them to take them down off of eBay. They're, uh, they're having the auctions pulled. Um, this is somewhere between Sony and eBay. The Both of them are actually participating in removing these things from uh, the shelf. Uh, kind of weird. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure where in... in where the legality is, where, where the guidelines are for, for why it must be removed. I can tell you exactly where it is. It's because oh. when, when, you, when you sign up on PSN, I'm sure somewhere in the agreement it's basically saying, like, you're, you know, this is your account, 
and it belongs to you. And when you buy these games, you're buying a license for your own personal use. Yeah. And that's just pretty much the end of it, I'm sure. So the idea is that this game that's licensed to you, you can't sell it because it's only licensed to you. I'm sure that's where it is. See, now, I, this particular argument is something that I've seen this week has caused a big flare-up with people going... This is why I don't want to buy digital titles. This is why I don't want to buy a game that they say belongs to me until it doesn't, you know? And even though, if, if for anybody who was keeping up with this story this week, when, when PT was first taken down, um, a, a message would pop up on a PlayStation store that says, don't worry, if you've already downloaded this title, it will be available for you again in the future, essentially. Um, not so. Uh, usually when something, we talked about this on last week's episode, usually when something's taken down off of a store, you know, a digital store, if the license runs out or whatever it is, if you paid money for it, you own that and you still have access to that product again. This is one of those weird, rare instances where that's not the case, even for the people who pre-downloaded the demo. So, of course, what happens in this situation? Everybody that's got a PlayStation 4 with it preloaded on there starts dumping it on eBay, and we talked about this last week, $1,500. This is certainly an argument for why... um, why people get nervous about digital downloading. I, I don't like the idea of being told what to do with something I paid for. Um, it's, I can see both sides of it. If you're, if you're willing to pay $1,500 for a used PlayStation 4 with a copy of the PT demo on it, you're, you're insane. Clearly, you've lost your mind. That's just my opinion. <laughs> Or you have just a lot of disposable income, in which case Gamerhead Radio takes donations. <laughs> and yeah, please do. Um, but but I don't. I kind of feel like it's you paid the money for the system, um, and and whatever else comes with it. You know, it's your personal information that comprises the the uh, the username, you know, and the handle for the the PlayStation Network. I don't necessarily think that they should have the right to tell people what to do with that once once you've paid for it. Essentially, terms and conditions, John. Terms uh, and conditions. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm just saying, I. I don't think it's the right thing to do, but I'm not. I know it's it's a business thing, you know. I get it. Yeah, John's gonna be the next human centipede. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I just uh, I don't think I can ever recall okay, in sorry. in history any time I've ever seen or had something where a company told me you can't do that with your game, ever. Um, so this is kind of strange. Um, what, do, what do you guys think? Do you think this is a good argument for why it's maybe not such a safe thing and why you should still buy physical media? Or do you think it's not really going to matter and this is a rare thing? Well, I mean, considering we're basically talking about a playable teaser, PT, for a, for a game, it's, um, I mean, it, it's sort of, the I think, going to always be the nature of the beast when it comes to this kind of thing. Um, you know, but this is exactly why I won't pay, I won't download a $60 game. Like, it's for this exact reason. So if, like, a game gets pulled for whatever stupid reason and I can't download it anymore, uh, I'm going to be upset about that. Um, I like to be able to resell my copies. Pretty much the entire conversation we had last week and all the reasons we had. Uh, last week's episode, we talked about digital downloads versus physical media. Uh, we had a really good conversation about it, so I uh, won't repeat it here, but um, those, all my reasons are consistent on that. But uh, since we've got you on the show with us today, though, Doc, uh, as Charlie said, we did talk about our sort of personal preferences uh, for digital downloads versus physical media. Um, when you're buying games for just your personal library, do you do you buy digital download stuff, or do you prefer to have the physical copy if you can I've get it? I've always preferred to have a physical copy. Yeah. Um, I actually, with uh, 
Revelations. That was the first game that I actually downloaded. Really? And uh, did not uh, was not a fan. Why does it not <laughs> at all surprise me that a man that owns this establishment with this many physical physical copies? <laughs> Uh, would prefer physical copies. That's outstanding. These are uh, pretty much the ultimate physical copies of video games. <laughs> Doesn't get yeah. any more physical than this. I complained last week about being able to, uh, like, running out of room in my house, uh, you know, on shelves for my game collection, and I can't even imagine what you have to deal with in terms of uh, space problems. Never enough space. It's uh, crazy. That's the entire reason why he started this arcade is because his, his basement was getting full. Yeah. Right? <laughs> That's not true. Probably not. Maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> Is it? (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to number one for the week. Um, Nintendo is partnering with Universal Studios uh, to... You are not a Disney person. You're not a Warner Brothers... Oh, he's a Warner Brothers cartoon, isn't he? Yes. Um, They're partnering with Universal Studios in order to uh, open up attractions, rides, uh, at Universal Studios, which is kind of crazy. Um... And they can they can have my wallet. I'm just gonna go to there, probably never leave. Um, I had go ahead. I, I just like to say on behalf of everyone, Gamerhead Radio says you're welcome. Yes, that was our idea. We talked about this a couple of shows ago, and uh, and if you yeah. heard a weird squee, that was John when the yeah. news hit. I did. I squeed. I squeed loud. Um. So obviously, for something this early, there's no specifics on what they're gonna do. Um, but the idea is to add sections uh, to Universal Studios, uh, kind of like you know they have like a Batman ride, and then they have like certain things years back where like they'd have Spider-Man, and presumably Nintendo characters will be walking around on the grounds. Um, but I, I just had this this discussion with with my dear niece, uh, who's here today, uh, watching the show. She's a Disney person, and she's going to be going to Disney World. And I was just like, oh, are you going to stop by and see Universal Studios? And she's like, no, nah, man, no. <laughs> I said, well, why wouldn't you? I mean, there's, uh, she's like, no. She's like, I have no interest in that place. I just need Disney stuff. I said, well, what would it be to, to get you to go? And she didn't really seem to have any interest in it at all. And I, and I talked about this before we came today, and I said, they're going to be putting Nintendo rides and characters at Universal Studios. And she's like, oh, I need to go to there. <laughs> and I was just like, see, all it takes is that one thing to, to trip people up and get them to go. But I, I think it's kind of shocking that nobody has just decided to open a Nintendo theme park in general because enough people know what that is and who those characters are that I'm pretty sure people would go to that. How does this not exist in Japan? I know they don't have a lot of like spare room over there to do things with, but this just seems like this is the kind of thing they would fit on rooftops just to make it happen. Well, I mean... They have uh, Disneyland over there in Tokyo. Well, yeah, well. I mean, yeah, they have Disneyland there, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that... Anybody would arguably say that the Nintendo, uh, the Nintendo characters in general are basically the the Disney of, of Japan, yeah. anyways. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't. If people know what Nintendo is here to the extent that they do, I can't imagine that there's a single person in Japan that doesn't know what Nintendo is or would go to that park. I mean, anybody in here that wouldn't go to Nintendo theme park? Would anybody not go? There is not a hand up in the room. Yeah, but so, yeah, that's because all right. of these people still have a child in their souls. Yeah. <laughs> you know? they're, they're, all hope is not lost for you all. It's good. Would you go, Doc? Would you go to Nintendo I, Land? Honestly, I'm a Sega man. So. Right, he's a Sega man. There you go. Oh. <laughs> um, I, I, I hate to be the one to break this to you, Doc, but I don't think Sonic's going to be getting any theme park rides anytime soon. 
which is unfortunate because at one time he could have. He had the clout. No, not He's too anymore. busy doing the Olympics and all that anyways. He's too busy <laughs> drinking himself to death in the corner over Sonic Boom. <laughs> uh, um, I, I'm just going to throw it out there. If, if Universal Studios does not put in some sort of Mario Kart-themed go-kart track... They're doing it they've, wrong. They've failed. They failed. Mm-hmm. I just, I, you know, preferably one where you can uh, shoot, you know, like foam turtles at each other or something, you know, like a little air cannon or something where you shoot little some sort of weapons. Yes, yes. yeah, yes. foam turtle shells. Something you soft that doesn't people. hurt people. Yeah, yeah. As long as they have an F zero ride. There you go. Oh my god, an F zero ride. You just blew my mind. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to redact my prior, my prior statement. I don't care about the go-kart ride anymore. I want an F-Zero ride. Yeah. That's it. But I want live action. I want to actually do, like, the 200 miles an hour. What, uh, what would make for some, some good Nintendo theme park rides? What would you guys, what would you guys want? What would you, what would you guys put at, at the park? Uh, uh, Donkey Kong, uh, yeah, Donkey Kong roller coaster. Just because, I don't know, the jungle theme and like going through trees and stuff. I don't know. It well, you could like, even do like a... But it would be a mine cart, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes exactly. Uh, I was thinking a log line ride. Mine carts. Oh, a log ride would be good, too. That yeah. would be good, too. You can do like the, the water ride. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, I feel like it would be, uh, for, for like a Super Mario-themed one, it would be fun to build some sort of ride where you're in, um, you know, uh, Bowser's clown-faced flying, I don't know what it's called. The, His... the, the clown pod. Clown pod. Oh, I made that up. Yes, you did. I could tell. It was oh, the Koopa Chopper. The Koopa Chopper. Yeah. Um, I would like to see some sort of ride come out of that. Even if it was like a like a Ferris wheel of them or something. I don't know. You just put anything in there. But I, I'm sure with the amount of creative stuff that Nintendo comes up with on their own, that they will be uh, far better at designing rides than we are. Because uh, I just said Ferris wheel, like the worst ride on the planet. <laughs> Not my job. I'm not going to do that. I can't be responsible. If you guys have any ideas for Nintendo rides at the end when we do the Q&A, we'd like to hear what your guys' ideas oh, are for that. Start so, thinking. So keep those start in the thinking. back of your head. What about you, Doc? Anything, any type of ride you would like to see them put together for Nintendo? Aside from F-Zero, like the, the arcade it. game that they have, that's thrown around a lot. So uh, I can only imagine a, a full-scale I can't, be pretty I intense. Can't <laughs> argue with that. I, we're sitting over here talking about Ferris wheels, and he came up with the coolest ride in the history of rides. That would be the best roller coaster. The only other thing I could think of, and I'm really getting off the wall here, is um, you know, like the uh, the people who like do like the big battles with like the foam swords and weapons and everything. Have, so have like a Smash Brothers themed version of that. So like like Smash Brothers LARPing. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to use that word. But yes. <laughs> And then nobody went to that portion of the studio. <laughs> well, you could do me boxing. Yeah. Just have people get in there, just oh. be their own me, and you could take photos of them boxing with like oversized gloves. You could. Yeah. You could. Little little. Uh, like a mini game arena. Yeah. Some punch out, some yeah. uh, Nintendo punch out boxing. Oh yeah, that would work. Yeah. Big foam gloves. You know, <laughs> yep, yep. children punching each other in the face. That's exactly what kind of liability you want at a theme park. <laughs> They're already playing GTA Five. We're fine. Yeah. Um. Whenever it opens, I will be there. I will be there. And I will ride everything. Unless, unless they do anything with a ride that has anything to do with Tingle. Oh, you'll ride it. I'll ride down there oh, with you. Oh, I will never ride the Tingle ride. Um, I imagine, you know, you know they, at theme parks, they always have, like, the little pod that you get in and, like, go, like, through an indoor track. Uh, Real-life Pokemon Snap is going to be there. I can almost promise you that. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Kind of like you're talking about like when you're on, like, it's small a small world. world. Like yeah. Mr. Toad's Wild Ride kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a small world. Uh, yeah, small world, uh, whatever. Uh, the, the other one. 
the Toy Story one that yeah, they have sure. now at, uh, in, in at Disney World. Yeah. IP here, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Opportunity abound, man. Well, we'll see what it is. Whatever it is that uh, that comes out, I'm sure we'll update everybody on the show when they release more oh, information on it because this just, is this has got my attention. I'm very intrigued by this idea. I just got the idea to, to help Charlie's idea for the minecart. Put it in Space Mountain. Oh yeah, yeah, that would work. That would absolutely yeah. work. Yeah, a nice dark minecart ride that 70 miles an hour. That, that says Donkey Kong over. miles an hour. <laughs> Trying to get people to have fun, not not scare them to the point where they pee all over themselves. Either or, it's fun. If you really want to make it like Donkey Kong, put some put some brakes in the tracks, let them jump tracks. So. I don't understand why you're making me choose between fun and wetting my pants. I mean, isn't wetting your pants fun? <laughs> you lost me. <laughs> Gone. No. Um. Chances are I'll be there. You'll be there. You'll be there. Everybody will be there. Don't lie. You're going to go. Yeah. It's good. We'll get a party bus. <laughs> yep. That's it for news this week, you guys. So we're in an arcade, so let's talk about arcades. <laughs> Wait, we're in an arcade? So, um, before we get started a little bit, um, Doc, why don't you tell us a little bit about how did uh, Galloping Ghost start? Like, how did it come about? Uh, assuming it wasn't you just needing storage space from your basement. Uh, <laughs> no. I, may, I really want to know if I, if, I, if I was right on that. So, uh, Well, we had opened in, uh, actually, on uh, August 13th of 2010. Okay. Um, we had been working on uh, our game, Dark Presence, that we had hoped to uh, be putting out later that year. <laughs> Uh, but it was it, the arcade came together very quickly, and it was just kind of a, a whim, basically, uh, which is just bizarre in its own right. But uh, we found 114 machines out in Iowa that were being sold, and uh, picked those up off of Craigslist, and uh, nice. just needed a place to put them, and it just kind of all spawned from that. Um, Wait, so you got the machines first, and then you're like, huh, I guess we should open an arcade. <laughs> it was, I had actually written the business model for the arcade about four years before. Oh, okay. Um, we had gone around, and uh, we started an initiative with a production company called Support Your Local Arcades. And uh, we went to as many places that we could find that had arcade games, and we really wanted to try to make a resurgence in arcades. So we offered anything that we could do. We offered to fix their machines for free. Uh, we were offering to build them websites, like everything just for free. And there was little to no interest from the existing industry. And it really seemed like there was, it was just such a wide open uh, area that uh, it just seemed like I really wanted to go play arcade games, and there was no place to go really do it how like it how it was back in the day. Yeah. Well, see, I think I think a lot of people, especially if you grew up in that age and you you pumped countless amounts of quarters or tokens into a machine, a lot of people stopped playing because a you could get you could get the arcade or close to arcade quality experience in your living room, and because people got tired of. of you know, pouring money into games that were designed to make you lose as fast as possible. But you guys, you guys really kind of changed the game 
by by changing the price point, you know, by charging a flat rate for people to get in. That when I first heard about the arcade, that was what drew me to it because I it's a brilliant idea. You Thank know, you. Wh- where what was it that made you decide to to use that? I mean, did you feel pretty confident that that was that was going to be what what helped get people through the door? Definitely, we wanted um, we wanted people to find a lot of games that they never really played. Um, when I went to the arcade, it was I had my staple games. I wanted to play through Double Dragon all the way. I wanted to play through Golden Axe all the way. Mm-hmm. I had to get some games of Mortal Kombat in. And with 10 to $20, uh, there's a lot of stuff that you didn't want to risk. I didn't want to risk my quarters on if I was unfamiliar with the title. So this way, it seemed like people would try everything. And that was always one of the things that we wanted to encourage and get people playing these games that they've never heard of and play stuff that maybe they missed 20 to 30 years ago. When you started doing this um, almost five years ago now, did you imagine that it would turn into this, this massive multi-headed beast <laughs> that it's become? Uh, <laughs> well, it was, it was never the plan to be the largest, the largest in the world. Um, it was just kind of, it, that was never the goal. It was just kind of, let's open an arcade and just make it as good as we can and uh, just focus on stuff like arcade maintenance was a huge thing. Like, everything has to, has to be playing and functional. Uh, we wanted a bunch of rare games. We wanted to do high scores. We wanted to do tournaments. And then uh, we had already had a lot of friends in the industry and the people that made all these great games. And there's so many amazing stories that were never... They're, they're just not known. And this really uh, created a format to where all that could have been done. And it, it was just why we were very confident when we opened that it would be successful. Again, we didn't know it would grow as large as it has. You know, it's, the, the crazy thing is, is that you, you said that when you guys started out, um, nobody really seemed to have, the, the industry as it was, didn't seem to have much of an interest in resuscitating arcades and arcade gaming. And there were one or two other arcades in the Chicagoland area uh, that were operating, but you guys, you guys ha- did something that got everybody else's attention, and now Chicagoland is starting to turn into like an arcade capital, you know? And a lot of people, a lot of people in Chicagoland will directly correlate that with Galloping Ghosts and uh, Galloping Ghosts and the resurgence of arcade gaming here. Well, we've been very open about helping other arcades uh, try to open their doors, and we've we've helped nine arcades open. Um, we're currently helping twelve more. Um, That's literally amazing. all over the U.S. Uh, That's fantastic. Had, That's very cool. It's uh, honestly we've had. Uh, we do wiring classes and stuff, and nice. even one of those spawned uh, the, the underground retrocade out in uh, East Dundee. And oh, it, yeah. it's, wow, wow. It's something, just like spreading the knowledge of it has really been infectious to help, it, help the arcade scene grow. Um, we had four guys come in from Japan about uh, maybe two, now probably two years ago, and uh, they were doing a... Uh, an internet show on arcades called Beautiful PCB. And about eight months ago, two of them came back 
and they said that they're trying to open an arcade in Japan based on this arcade. And it was like, wow. that in itself is like, Japan has always been like the arcade. The capital. The capital. Yeah, yeah. Right. And to have something out there based on this place, it's, it's an, a huge honor. A lot of people don't realize that even though arcade gaming has up until recently died down in the U.S. considerably, it never really went away in Japan. It was always it was still a huge, huge thing in Japan. Um, you know, the, I guess the craze never went away there. Um, but uh, it's everywhere you go now. I mean, we were we were also at the Midwest Gaming Classic, which you guys featured. Uh, you mentioned your game that you guys are working on. You guys featured it there, and we were there. And the amount of games crammed into one space—it's just there was a there was a fever for it, man. Everybody was so into this event and just in love with what was happening at this event that it's. I, I never thought that, that I would see arcades come back the way that they have, yeah. you know, especially growing up. And then before the show started, I was talking with Doc, and I told him I grew up across the street from a mall in the south. It's pretty much there every day after school. Like, that's just where I went was to the arcade. And even if I didn't have money to play, I just I, – I, hung out there. I watched other people play and, and just wanted to learn about the games and might actually probably be where my, my love of gaming started was in an arcade. So it's crazy, crazy awesome to see this, to see Galloway Ghost Arcade, see what we're sitting in right now. Man, a monument to gaming. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. Well, one of the big things uh, that we wanted to do, we, we want to show that arcades can still be relevant. And you look at... It, the industry has done so many things to kind of eradicate the arcade scene on every level. Um, we're now trying to show uh, developers that it's not a bad format anymore. Um, like, the big thing that made arcades not work was when the console the games started to be made to where they were going to fit easily on console. And uh, that was a huge step back. Like, arcade games always uh, surpassed the console version back in the day, and the, as far as, like, 8-bit Nintendo and uh, even before that, the 2600. It wasn't until after, like, the 16-bit era where the arcade games were uh, becoming more on par uh, with the, the consoles could really be doing the arcades justice. Uh, had they kept the same level of innovation going with arcades and making uh, the hardware better, um, I think arcades would have, the outcome of arcades would have been drastically different. And that was really the outlook we took when we were designing our game. We didn't want to be limited to fitting on a DVD uh, and we didn't want to have to use a certain processor or, or anything like that. And like our game right now is about a terabyte of data. And it's, it's a massively large game, and it's, it's doing a console port would be as difficult now for us as it would have been doing a console port back in, in the 8-bit era. I, I, got to, uh, we, I think we all got a chance to see it running while we were at Midwest Gaming yep. Classic, yep. and it's, uh, it's, it's crisp, to say the <laughs> least, man. It's, uh, now, are you, are you guys making the game because... You want to show modern developers that it's it's still a good medium and format, or are you developing it just because you've always wanted to do this? Is this just? It was. Uh, we had started this, um, and it's kind of changed over the years. Uh, we had wanted to make an arcade game. Um, obviously, huge fans of of the ar arcade gaming and, and Mortal Kombat and the fighting community, and uh, it's there's no restrictions with an arcade game. 
And it, it really seemed to become this, like, it's so unfortunate to me, the uh, direction that, honestly, that a lot of the console gaming has gone. Um, like, everything's a sequel, or like now, it's, uh, the games are so big, but they really lack a, the innovation that the arcade scene used to have. Um, and it's just because budgets of games have gotten so amazingly large that if you're not sure you can get your money back in it, like, the game doesn't get pushed forward. It's a huge risk. It is. It is. That's why, but that's why you have King of Fighters 13 and Mortal Kombat X and everything's a sequel because it's safe. But if you look back in the 80s and before that, like, there weren't, there were sequels, but there was huge spans of time. Um, the, the developers didn't want to do the same game and they wanted to explore uh, just other things. They were trying to be very creative and it was that's a whole other aspect of the arcade. We, we talked with these developers all the time and it, was the la- it, it wasn't about making huge money. It was about making really cool games. Um, like you look at the credits of some of these games and there's like six or eight people that actually worked on the entire game compared to nowadays where you just have a half-hour credit list that you watch at the end of it. Um. Well, and then you, you look at, the, you look at the, some of the games, some of the crazy, strange, weird things that you used to see in arcade games, and at the time those games were made and the, the technology and the money that it would have cost to make a game, even if it wasn't a huge financial risk to develop a game and it's only six people working on it, by today's contrast and standards, some of the weird, weird stuff you see, nobody would ever take a risk on designing something that random and weird now and just going, well, we'll see what it does. Like, it just doesn't, that doesn't happen enough anymore, you know? A lot of people joke around that, like, our generation, you know, get off my lawn, you know? We, we had it better when we were coming up, you know? You paid $60 <laughs> for a game and you got the whole thing. Um, but that's... The reason we, we kind of lament the change in that is because it's true. We got, we got what we paid for. We got the whole thing. And we got a lot of risks. Like, it was when release day used to come out, and not just, you know, arcade machines, but, but also console games. The, if you go back and look at the, the weird, long library of strange things that would never happen uh, today, it makes you realize how few new things come out now, you know? So, I mean, variety like this just doesn't exist anymore. You know, it's crazy. It's hard. I miss it if you said it. How many cabinets do you have now? Uh, we're now up to 462. And where does that put you in relation to the other arcades in the world? Uh, the closest um, that we have documented is Fun Spot. Uh, they're uh, currently listed as Guinness, Guinness Books of World Records' largest arcade with uh, 378, I believe. So you're crushing it, is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> they're, uh, they actually recently, I, I guess they pulled uh, a bunch of machines off their floor, so I'm not even sure what their current uh, game count is, but yeah. Given, given that you, you have those numbers as a basis, is there, uh, are there any plans to reach out to the Guinness Book of World Records? Uh, they are. Guinness is actually coming for our uh, T20 event coming up at the uh, very end of this month. Um, we're trying to do at least two world records. Uh, Guinness is going to announce this as the largest arcade in the world, and then we're going to be running an uh, event for most people playing arcade games at one time. 
Wow. It's going to be packed shoulder <laughs> to shoulder. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, what are some of the challenges that you have with, like, running an arcade of this size? Like, what, what like... Aside from just keeping the things maintained and running, or is I mean that that seems to me like it'd be like the biggest obvious challenge. Is that would that be correct? Definitely the maintenance end. It's an everyday thing. It's uh, uh, there's only myself and two other guys that actually maintain all the games on the floor. Oh my. Oh. Uh, one of those guys we just brought on. Uh, most every well, most of the staff also works on the production side of things, working on on the game. So it's been difficult uh just because as we get closer to the game release my other my one tech is actually also my lead graphic artist so he's pulling everybody here pretty much pulls double duty so like sometimes you're on the production side sometimes you're on the arcade side so what you're saying is is none of you sleep ever ever <laughs> it's a lot of long hours for sure but I imagine. It's, it, it's not even work it's uh, is it, is it going to get to the point where you guys just build, uh, build bunks here at the arcade and just <laughs> sleep here in the building? <laughs> there's, there's been some overnighters. The, the, the closer the game gets to launch, like we're, there's usually somebody o- always here. I, I've got to ask, for, for somebody who owns and operates the largest arcade in the world now, what was it? What was it that got Little Doc turned on the games what was that what's that everybody's got that magic gaming moment that they call back to in their kids that 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 blew the doors off of it for them and turned them into the crazy game fiend that they are what was it that did it for you man i've i've been playing since pong and uh it's just been non-stop like for the arcade scene like i remember playing asteroids in the arcade um i was a huge genesis collector i actually had over uh i had every commercially released Sega Genesis, Sega CD, and 32X game. So I had close to 700 games, and uh, all I did was work and play video games. So. You're speaking past tense. Do you not have them anymore? Or? I sold that uh, to open the production company. Ah. So, so uh, worth it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <Okay>. absolutely. <laughs> I know a lot of people who, like, they, they stole their collections. They're like, why did I do that? But it sounds like this is probably a good choice. I've <laughs> found another collection. Other <laughs> <laughs> things to collect. Fair Couldn't enough. stay away for long, could you? No. I had, I had picked up my first arcade game when I was uh, 16. Uh, it was NARC. Uh, awesome. A great game. And then I quickly picked up uh, MK1 and 2 after that. Um, and... After, eventually, I ended up selling those, and pretty much everything here was bought just like, okay, we're opening an arcade, we need games. So, Awesome. That's, uh, it's crazy, man. I, oh, we got, we got some music now. <laughs> Roadrunner is... I, no, I'm just, I'm just letting it roll. I'm just letting it wash over me. Enjoy it. This is my jam. <laughs> um, so, you guys, you guys have a reputation for having some incredibly rare stuff come in and out of the, uh, the arcade. Why don't, you, why don't you tell some of the listeners and people here at the arcade, what are some of the rare items that you guys have in here that they can play? Um, and just how rare are they? We've, we've been importing stuff from Japan for, for quite a while. Like, and there's so many rare games that people never even knew came out. Like, it, like the, uh, you mentioned Silent Hill earlier. There's a Silent Hill arcade game that came out that most people have never even heard of. I had no idea. Um, I'm going to touch it, though. It's, <laughs> it's a good game. It's a good game. Um, 
So there's a lot of the import stuff. We have uh, a lot of the rare shooters, a lot of rare Japanese fighting games. Um, but we've been uh, uh, probably our most, uh, our rarest game is definitely Primal Rage 2, uh, which was a prototype game that was coming out in 97. And uh, it, it, it got canceled. And there was only two boards that were known to exist. And one of those is here now. So we're, we're very happy to have that and here. You're on very hand lucky for... that it's still here after uh, the incident. <laughs> yes, the incident. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've mentioned that on a couple of shows before, but uh, some, uh, somebody who I hope r received uh, uh, an adequate beating um, uh, introduced that, that very rare board to his beer. And uh, yeah, in, in, a very, in a not at all good way, but it was resuscitated, and so that's a, that's a good thing. Yes, it's, it's running, running perfectly fine now. Um, it, I'm sure it was an accident. We didn't see who did it. Uh, we had wished that somebody had told us that it happened, because uh, the longer stuff like that goes on bef without us fixing it, it's the worst it is. So. If, if you could try and describe the feeling, I imagine it was something like, of like when you were first told. Uh, so Primal Rage Two is dead; it's fried. Or I don't know how that conversation went, but if you had to compare it to something, like uh, it was, it was in the middle of. Um, there's a panel uh, consisting of Jeff Lee, who's the creator, Cubert, uh, Khan Yabamudo, who was the creator of Mad Planets, Sam Russo, who was creator of Three Stooges. And uh, Warren Davis, who worked on, who was a creator of uh, Us versus Them, and for me, one of the, the the biggest things about having the arcade is is getting to meet all these developers and and hanging out with them. It's it's totally amazing. But they were just wrapping up the panel, and one of my guys came over and is like, "There's something wrong with Primal Rage 2. <laughs> and I, it was like. I, I wanted to congratulate those guys on an excellent panel and then get over there. But it was, we've had, uh, from the moment we put it on the floor, we've had just outrageous amounts of, of money thrown at us to sell the game. Like, very high five figures. Wow. And we always turn it down. Um, just because that's, that's kind of, that's... Well, it's what the arcade's all about. Like, we have sure. to have the rare games, and uh, it's, it's not so much about the money, but to have something go wrong with that. And we, we had just flown uh, one of the guys that created it, uh, Chris Tang. We flew him in from California, and it was just amazing, the stories that he told us. And to have, like, such a historic game, like, you didn't, we didn't know if we were going to be able to fix it. Like, we didn't know how bad it was. Um, it, it was definitely a pretty intense moment. Um, we were asking everyone if they saw who did it, and uh, <laughs> it was it was it was definitely rough. Um, there was a lot of uh, uh, the news traveled very quickly. Like we heard, we, I was just walking around. We were pretty sure that we had it. It was going to be all right. It okay. just needed some time to dry. Uh, but we had, uh, just walking around MGC, there were people like, 
oh my god, I heard what happened. And there it's was, like when you enter the room, there's like a hush. It, <laughs> there was, it was very t- tense. They were tense. literally talking to you like somebody died. <laughs> Actually, they were. They were. It was like a very serious thing. And uh, like again, some of these games, that one especially, there's only two of them. Where, now, do you know, where's the second board? Um, I believe a guy in California has it. Is that um, a private owner? Definitely, yes. Wow. <laughs> the private collectors, that's uh, one of the weird things. Like, there's some amazing collections. Um, it, it's taken about four years for us to get invited to the very, very big collections. Uh, the, the hardcore collectors, you'd never know where they are. They, they're not very <laughs> loud about what they have. And they're very content. Probably wisely just, so. Yeah, they, they just like having their stuff quietly stashed away for their own enjoyment. And uh, the people that have offered uh, us big money to buy them, they're, they're very upfront about, we want to buy this, and it's going to go into our private collection, and it'll never be played again. It's like this whole secret world that exists. Like uh, the only thing you have to do in order to get invited into the circle is, I don't know, just be the biggest arcade in the world. You know? <laughs> then all of a sudden they appear from the mist. Even Pop. then, that, that, that has kept us out just because uh, there's some, purest, some purest hardcore collectors that don't want, they're not all about, um, they don't want to see these games get played like they do. They don't ever want like the rare games to be in a situation where there might be a beer spilled on them. And we take that very seriously. And we're, for being open uh, as long as we have, um, we've never lost a cabinet to damage. Um, and it is a very important thing and making sure that the preservation end of it uh, is, is so key here. But we also want to make sure that people can enjoy them. And there's so many of these games that were gone from the public eye for 30 years. And it's important, like, uh, even talking with you, like, you, you were, I, had, I remember this one game. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I didn't remember it until I saw it. And then it was like a big thing. And, and of course it's here. And of course it's here. <laughs> Why wouldn't it be? But we have people uh, that travel literally from all over the world. We've recently had um, people in from Chile and uh, uh, Luxembourg. And we get people that travel just so they can play these games and relive a little bit of their past and find new stuff that is going to stick with them for a lifetime. And the one thing, it's so different than gaming today like these games have stood the test of time like you look back at what was a great game on playstation one it's like when was the last time somebody loaded up their playstation one to go play something but people are traveling from halfway around the world to come play a game that they remember playing as a kid in some arcade or some hot dog rest <laughs> anywhere, anywhere a pool hall or right. laundromat and they have a, a huge impact with people, and it's, we see it every day, it's, and it's absolutely amazing. It's, that's crazy. Is there anything that's particularly high? Uh, last question before we move on to the, 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 the mailbag. Is there anything that's really high on your wish list that you've been looking for and you just haven't been able to find yet? I've, uh, <laughs> it's, like, we get stuff in every week. Um, we have, uh, we've referred to it as the vault. Uh, we have about a hundred, little over a hundred and ten games that aren't on the floor yet, and that list. It's, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> you're, you're beating the current Guinness Book world record holder by a couple, a hundred, over a hundred cabinets, and you've got another hundred in the back that aren't even on the floor? Oh, my God. <laughs> Where are you going to put them? Uh, we're, we're in talks of... Uh, Putting, we're, we want to move our neighbors away so we can join all three buildings. We have the building two doors down for, as our console tournament area. Uh, but if we get that middle building, we'll be able to put another 300 games in, uh, which would last us a little bit, but not very long. So we're actually already talking about putting on a second floor that would run the, insp- the entire length of the rest of the block. So we'd have about room for another 1,400 machines. So you're just looking to crush everyone and be the arcade. But, and, and honestly, it's, it's, not, it's totally not about who has the most games. Oh, yeah. And it's just about bringing it to, to yeah. everybody to enjoy. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, that's just a bonus. There's, <laughs> it's easy for me to say yeah. that. Everybody, it's not really about having this many. But Every billionaire says it's not about the money. <laughs> <laughs> it's about the power. We know. Well, I mean, it's... Obviously, it, it is just about uh, you know reviving and bringing these things to people to enjoy because I I don't know any anybody else in any other business model that would that would say here let us come and, and help our, our competitors fix these machines for free and just we just want these to work and for people to enjoy arcade gaming that's that's crazy good man even even one step beyond that recently um, I picked up a game out in Japan called Yuchuyu Daisukasan Chokovader Contact E. And brought it here, and it's this weird game. Nobody, it was put out from Namco in 2002. And I, it's a weird um, mini puzzle game. It's really cool. It was $8 <laughs> to get the board here. And okay. I, it, was, it was so cheap, and I had so much fun on it. And it was like, wow, you know, there's a bunch of other arcades that would probably, like, they've, they've never played this. So I bought, like, ten more of the boards and just sent them to random arcades. That's and awesome. And like, go check this out. Like, put it on your floor. Maybe you'll have some people that, that can get into it. And some did. Some didn't. And, but it's, it's so amazing to just share that, like, to share a game with somebody that they've never played. And, like I said, it's, it's an $8 board. It was, uh, we took one to uh, uh, Level 257, the new Namco-themed restaurant that yeah. opened up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, they're, they had never even heard of it. And it's one of their games. And it's like... <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they're saying they're going to put it on the floor, which is it's awesome. It's just so cool to share, share arcade games with people. Uh, kind of hard to argue with that. Uh, you're, doing, you're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> doing the Lord's work, man. And uh, here's hoping to many, many, many more years of uh, success and uh, growth, apparently, Thank you. Uh, here at Galloping Ghost Arcade, man. So I think it's uh, maybe uh, time to consult the mailbag and see what everybody's saying. Agreed. What kind of horrible things they're saying about us. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so our question this week was... Uh, so, so, what is your favorite arcade memory or story? And is there anything that you would like Galvin Ghost Arcade to add? Uh, so, we have some comments here. So, 
Ricky Keller, uh, this guy that we know, uh, he's uh, you know he's he's, <laughs> just, he's just one guy. Uh, he says it's really difficult to narrow down one specific moment or experience in an arcade for me, uh, but I definitely miss the sense of appreciation we had for games back then. In arcades, you had to be skilled, very skilled, to simply continue. You had to explore every mechanic, perfect your timing, and be prepared to put in the time and the money. Uh, in order to do that, you had to have a true appreciation for the design, including the faults. Uh, there was a real sense of camaraderie when someone excelled and achieved a new high score. Today, we have a lot of crazy advanced games available at super cheap prices that we play alone in our own homes. Appreciation for the game has gone down the toilet. It's, uh, it's, it's appropriate to demand quality out of our games now, just as we did in the arcade, but even for good quality PC and console games. We didn't appreciate them as much as we used to. I know that I made this seem a lot more simple than it is, but I miss that. No, I, I completely understand where you're coming from. It's, the, the, the magic is almost gone out of video games when you, when you bring them in. Like, we're playing in these isolated bubbles in our home, and sure, there's the internet, there's multiplayer and things like that, but, um, you know, it's the, the skill level that you're talking about. And there is no feeling better than walking into this building and getting that Willy Wonka feeling. Every time I walk in this building, it's just like, I want Doc to be in the hat and tell me to amuse my imagination. And you can't get that anywhere else but the arcade. I definitely agree with Ricky on this. Yeah. No, you know, I, one of the, the most, I think, fond memories I have from when I was a kid is I, I mentioned that my dad and my brother and I used to go to the arcade every time, or, or, or all the time. I, I would be willing to bet that I spent more money on the, uh, the four-player Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle arcade cab and the X-Men cab, Simpsons cab, um, Afterburner. Than you made last you know. year? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh and every time I would go in there to play, it was just like, when I knew we were on the way to the arcade, I couldn't sit still. I mean, I couldn't sit still anyways. I was just one of those kids. But I would think about it for days after I'd leave. I just couldn't wait to go back, you know. And, and there is that sense of wonder that's gone. It just doesn't exist anymore. So it, um, I guess you are kind of the Willy Wonka of, of the arcade world, aren't you? He's been called it's, many things, but never Willy Wonka. <laughs> but I, no, no. <laughs> like that... Uh, that question touched on a lot of really great things like the like when you went into an arcade if they had a new game like if it had this big crowd around it it was always something exciting about it and it is it's very different on console um even now like we're we're bringing back an old game that uh maybe somebody hadn't seen in forever but there's still that same uh excitement around it and we have an amazing group. The community behind this is just incredible. Like there's about, there's about, now it's probably 40 regulars that are here uh, several times throughout the week. And none of them knew each other before the arcade opened. And now they're all like, oh, they all contact each other. And they're like, they just got this new game in. Let's go to the arcade. And it's, it's such a, even now, like these games, a lot of them, people could, they could be playing the exact same game at their house, but it's something about being out and playing it on an arcade cabinet, and it's, it's very different. Um, you also mentioned like the game difficulty, which uh, that in itself is something that most people don't get. Like the, the difficulty of games has changed so much over the years. Uh, these games were designed to Get, initially, like, uh, games from the 80s were just designed to, well, they were very hard out of the box. Like, you did really have to practice and get really good at them if you were going to be on that machine for more than a, a half a minute. Um, it evolved into, um, in the 90s, where it was kind of, they, there was a psychology behind pacing your game. 
where they knew if they let you get a little bit further, you would put that out the next quarter in. And that's how they were going to maximize their money. And games like Turtles, where it's you get four people playing and all your friends are playing, that's how they really work towards that. Um, games like Mortal Kombat. And uh, I've, I've heard stories about how the AI was set up uh, to where you would they'd give you the first couple of games to make you think that you were good and then <laughs> the next guy would just kill you. Every <laughs> once in a while, they still I still feel like it still does that. Like I'll I'll be playing on medium just for practice. Like even now, and I just randomly, all of a sudden, I'll get my face stomped in, and I'm like, what just happened? I, oh. It was so like that would happen all the time in the arcade oh, yeah. because it was time to you had to pay them, and they <laughs> wanted those quarters. But now uh, with console gaming, it's evolved into where. If you get frustrated with a game and you stop playing it, you stop making your Facebook posts about it, like the game difficulty has been pulled back and scaled back so drastically. Um, it's, it's, it, it's been a really interesting evolution of game difficulty. And we'll have uh, even people on our, our team that, that play video games professionally. It's like, go play a game of Space Invaders. And it's like, wow, that's a really, <laughs> really hard game. Uh, it's, you know, it, it, it's almost impossible to explain to people who weren't there. there. There is an element of you had to be there when some of these games came out originally to understand the hype that surrounded them. I, 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 can't, I tried to explain this to my nephew, who's, uh, who's 18 years old at this point, and I said, you, you can't know what it was like when like Tekken 3 came out and Mortal Kombat 2 and 3 came out it, it was there was an army of people standing around these machines 30 40 sometimes 50 yeah. people standing around one unit quarter quarter or token up on the the dash waiting to play and anytime somebody I mean I'll, I'll never forget in Tekken 3 anytime somebody did a throw in Tekken 3 it was just oh it's just a crowd of people going oh man and you definitely that gets lost in, in translation in online gaming. There's a For social sure. element to it that does not exist in, in current consoles and online gaming unless you're playing like Smash or you know Mario Kart or something where you're playing uh, in the same room as other people. Yeah. All right, so we've got an email here from Mr. Ryan on. Uh, he says, following my arcade memories, I recall my most impactful was seeing the original Double Dragon arcade board for the first time with people crowded around it at a local liquor store. When it, re- when it was released back in the day, to use an overused term, it was groundbreaking. It was the most violent game I had ever seen. It had the <laughs> clearest story that was explained in seven seconds. Gang of dudes deck a girl in a short dress. She buckles. They pick her up and take her away. Also revealing the first panty shot in the video game I'd ever seen. <laughs> the two brothers go after them. That's it. It was the best. Dang it. Uh, it reminded me of a video game version of The Warriors. Uh, the two brothers uh, even wore vests, just because, uh, and not to hate, but to hate, uh, screw anyone that calls them Billy or Bimmy and Jimmy Lee. They were known as Hammer and Spike, as written on the board, you Philistines. <laughs> That's very true, Ryan. He's and very finally, uh, we've got that. an email here from Songbird. The subject of the email is meep meep, so I think Songbird might be watching the stream. <laughs> Good. Hi, Songbird. Um, you, did, you set that up, didn't you, Songbird? <laughs> you did this. You sent him, didn't you? <laughs> Uh, she says, uh, Dear Tectatron and Guard, Go Fallon, Flynn, and Doc. Uh, mailbag answer. Alas, my experiences with arcade machines are little to none. All there is uh, near to me is uh, Mr. Gotti's and a theater with maybe a couple of them. 
but nothing noteworthy. Uh, when I was a kid, my family would drive to this place once every month or so, hi, Zong, uh, a month or so, which had an amusement area on the second floor. There were rides, a theater, miniature golf, and naturally games. However, I don't remember ever playing the arcade machines. The only games I played were the ones that gave out tickets, as I love getting prizes. Uh, other than being unable to play them at my convenience, they didn't appeal to me because I don't because I usually don't know how to play them, and getting the high score didn't, and still kind of doesn't really do anything for me. Have you ever considered getting into ticketed games, Doc? Some no. ski balls? <laughs> no. we, were, we were told, uh, we were buying machines from uh, a, few, a few places, and kind of uh, t- anybody that we told that we were opening up an arcade, they're like, well, how much redemption games or ticket games do you have? I'm like, none. And they're like, you're not going to last more than two months. <laughs> and uh, like, it's, for me, I have no interest in playing ticket games. And uh, it's like occasionally we get people ask for skee ball and stuff, and, and that's cool and everything, but... You, you won't see one here. No, what you do here, yeah. Uh, <laughs> she, There's still somewhat of a challenge to ski ball, so I could see why that would be the, like, the one thing. I, I like ski ball, but it's... Uh, maybe, maybe digital ski ball? Did, <laughs> they had the bowling, the Capcom bowling. They got to have a ski ball version, right? Somber goes on to say, I will say this, though. When I was at Mr. Gotti's with some friends, one of them put, a 20, do- put $20 in a token machine, thinking he was trying to get change. <laughs> That was a mistake. <laughs> um, could you? Uh, uh, so, uh, some questions. Um, so, Songbird, if you're not familiar with her, she always has some excellent questions for us. So, she first of all asks, "Could you please somehow convert the Primal Rage Two machine where I could play it on a super on a super NES cartridge, please and thank you." Um, <laughs> does anyone who works there wear earplugs or something? Because I would think one would get tired of hearing the sounds of the machines constantly. Uh, honestly, you don't even hear it. Uh, it's the noises that are new or. The noises that aren't there that are more concerning. Just like, becomes you like just, white noise eventually. Turn it all out. Oh, so it's like mechanic when you you, you get into an engine run forever, and as soon as there's one tick, you're like, what, what's that? What's that? What's that? <laughs> got to take it apart. Got to see what's wrong. Everybody else is like, what are you hearing? You're like, oh, you, you don't hear that. Uh, Songbird asks, is there any kind of dark side to being in the arcade business? Any uh, any seedy underbelly, so to speak? <laughs> um, no, not really. It's. Uh, we had uh, initially there was some concern of uh, like just from how arcades used to be back in the 80s like would there be like gangs wanting to come in and would there be people loitering or is there is there still mafia ties to the <laughs> arcades and no just all right <laughs> just just riffraff concerns everybody has <laughs> Uh, to, to the best of your knowledge, has there ever been any sort of experiment or study that proves that arcaders are in, in any way more superior to consolers when it comes to fighting games or whatnot? Um, hi, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> that man's biased. Console gamers, um, and we have our team GGA. That's uh, a fighting team. We send them literally all over the world. They started with playing Mortal Kombat uh, 2011, then they moved on to Injustice, and now they're on Mortal Kombat X. Um, they're very particular about what they play on as far as hardware. Like, some only play on controllers, some only play on uh, only using Japanese sticks. Um, and that that's so alien to an arcade. Like, your sticks were whatever was there. It was yeah. like, there was no... Could we have these swapped out for something else? If 
a lot of times back in the day, like you were, you were at a great arcade if all your buttons worked. And sometimes if you were playing Mortal Kombat, maybe you didn't have high kick. But that was just the brakes. Like, it's all, back then, it was almost a beggars can't be choosers kind of attitude. Absolutely. Yeah. Or, or, or the wobbly stick. That was always the worst, yeah. man. Oh, the loose stick, yeah. Yeah, no good. And it's, uh, it's, not, it's so different now. It's hard to compare. Like, we have um, some, some people that are great on, on console uh, as well as arcade. But it's definitely, um, I think people are so used to all the luxuries that the consoles offer that some people, they just can't really adapt back to the arcade scene. Sure. Um, why Galloping Ghost? Does it get spooky at night? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, uh, the, the name originally, uh, it had originated in 94 when we opened up the production company. Um, I was on the phone with uh, a guy who worked at Razorsoft uh, and the game uh, Technocop had just come out. I was just talking with him about uh, game design and game development. He asked if we had, uh, if we were in the industry. And really, it was just kind of like, uh, I had actually just got the uh, logo tattooed on me, um, which the original concept, I had seen something similar on a uh, World War II bomber, and I just redrew it and thought it was cool. And <laughs> that just kind of became the logo. Nice. So. And finally, uh, what did you think of the movie Wreck-It Ralph? I haven't seen it. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. There's, there's the not a lot of time for movies. Or... Wait, that requires free time. Sorry, what am I thinking? <laughs> if I can't get the time. It's entertaining if you get a chance to watch it. I was uh, on the phone with Rich DeVizio last weekend, and uh, we were talking. He, he had played uh, Kano and Baraka in the Mortal Kombat games, and he was so he was seemingly upset with me. He was, he was talking about it. I'm like, I, I haven't seen it. <laughs> And he's like, uh, so, so we're not, not the first people it. to ask this. Like, <laughs> no, you, do you no. get assailed with this question it's, all the time? It, it comes up, and usually <laughs> it's uh, it's like, oh, what did you think of it? I'm like, uh, from what I uh, from what I hear, it's a great movie, <laughs> but it's it's hard to. By the time we get out of here at night, it's uh, it's hard to uh, sit down and watch a full movie. But it's on my list of movies to watch. Fair enough. And I suppose that's almost like. If you're, a, if you're a lawyer, the last thing you want to do when you go home is watch a show about lawyers. <laughs> it's the same kind of thing. It's like you spend all day around video games. I know that you're a passion, but maybe you kind of need a break when you get home sometimes. Like, it's, uh, or some sleep. Yeah, <laughs> or that. Usually not being here just frees up enough time to um, find more games. Like That's the time. My, my girlfriend's been tremendously accepting of if I'm at home, I'm gonna, I have to find some new games to order for the arcade. When I'm here, it's, people like to talk. It's, a, it's so social here. Yeah, okay. it's, um, during normal work hours, it's difficult to, uh, to actually get stuff done. So I'll show up here at 4.30 in the morning sometimes just so I can start fixing stuff or planning for events. And, but Okay, well, that's it for the mailbag responses we have. Uh, we'll open up the mic now if anybody has anything that they want to ask, uh, anything that they want to comment on, if you have any ideas for Nintendo theme park rides, mic is open. Or if you have an arcade story to share yourself. <laughs> uh, why did I know it would be you? Why did I know it would be you? Two, want, two parts. Kirsten had an idea for a ride, and I also had an idea for the ride. Uh, first of all, Space Mountain's Disney, so that wouldn't be universal, but they could copy it. That's what I'm saying, just steal it. Yeah, no, copy it, <laughs> F-Zero. 
high uh -huh. speed, lots of lights in the dark. There okay. you go. Okay. And then the other idea would have been a Mega Man, like a shooter, either a competitive or uh, uh, have a scenario, kind of laser tag. They give you a buster. Okay. I'd be all right with that. I'd play, you know, it's even though physical, it's, even though right. that's a Capcom character, I'd, I don't care. I'd play that. It was on Nintendo, but yeah. Yeah, I would, I would absolutely play it. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? So I'm not sure if I was really trying hard to think of like a Zelda themed attraction, and I couldn't think of anything. Well, that's but easy. You just what? get a lawnmower and get rupees. A lawnmower? Yeah. <laughs> You're just standing up pushing? Yeah. He who okay. pushes lawn faster wins. And Goat um, was the only person to play that game. <laughs> Ever. Short line. But um, Luigi's Haunted Mansion, Haunted House walkthrough. Oh, that'd be awesome. Oh, yeah, that would work. Yeah. Um, and this one wasn't my idea. I think it was on the internet somewhere. Uh, Rainbow Road specific roller coaster type ride. That'd be all right, too. Because that could be a little bit wild. But I did have a question for you. You, you said uh, that you were developing a game nearing completion. Um, can you talk about, I didn't, did you guys say that it, it was at the uh, Midwest Gaming Classic? I don't yeah, know much yeah. about it, you, you guys were other than what you said right? tonight. Yes. Could you talk a little bit more about maybe mechanics or cabinet, whatever you want? This is a developer you're talking to. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he wants to talk shop with you. Sure, sure. Um, the game that we're working on is called Dark Presence. Uh, it's a uh, 2D one-on-one -on -one fighting game. Um, similar, it used all live actors, similar to how the original Mortal Kombat games uh, were shot, where it wasn't motion capture, it was the actual actors had to do every move. Um, we had originally uh, approached three of the MK actors to be in our game, and they, they were all about it. Um, and then they saw our filming list, and uh, they, most of the actors shot MK in about, um, about two to three hours per character. Uh, we were in our filming studio for four years, filming every single day. So oh my god! We had uh, we didn't want to just like clone Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter, so we really tried to make it very unique. Um, like we, by literally by design, it's it's a weapon-based combat game. Um, we tried to make it deep in the sense that uh, we didn't do any like image flipping for the characters. We actually shot separate left and right sides. Um, the way the combo system works, uh, it's very much based on, uh, it's just realistic fighting. Like, if you hit somebody on the right side of the face, they're going to roll left. And then the combos happen based on what direction they roll. Um, we didn't want to make the combos work like Killer Instinct, where you just kind of dial them in. So we have combo variations. So you can do multiple combos, but you have to watch and see how they're going to react. So if you hit a guy on the right side of the face, sometimes they'll roll left and come right back. And you do one combo for that. But other times you'll hit them and it'll almost randomly spin them all the way around. And if that happens, you do a completely different combo. So, wow. like, we didn't, again, we didn't want to, so many other games, uh, they do what they do so well. We didn't want to just uh, carbon copy what they did. And we wanted to, even with the arcade cabinet, we wanted to try to bring a lot of innovation to it. Um, the cabinet itself has uh, a GPS inside of it, so it, it looks at what zip code it's in, and it'll update what the weather is in the zip code that you're playing. Um, it'll update if it's raining or if it's snowing or if it's daytime or nighttime. Um, one of the other things that we added to the cabinet was uh, it's got a 
prize dispenser actually on the cabinet. <laughs> uh, and we had a guy from McFarland Toys actually sculpt all of our characters. So if you're the first person to actually finish the game with any of these, any character, you win a statue, seven-inch resin painted statue out of the cabinet. So That's awesome. It's, it's, we really wanted to, uh, we wanted to use this as a vehicle to uh, show developers and all the industry people that we talked to that you could do an arcade game now and help bring arcades back. Um, we've already got a 40 arcade US tour planned. Uh, we've got two places in Japan, we've got places in Turkey, places in Germany, and uh, there's been a ton of interest in it. And it's, it's such an open market. But uh, it's, yeah, we're very anxious. It'll, it'll debut here. Uh, we're shooting for July. But the development of it has always been so contingent on what's going on at the arcade just because the staffs are so commingled. All right. Fine work, man. Anybody else want to step up to the mic, ask any questions? <laughs> hey, Ryan. Sorry I'm a bit late. Check, check. Testing. Sorry I'm a bit late. We, we forgive you. It's okay. <laughs> Um, not so much a question, uh, but I, I did come up uh, miraculously for a uh, Nintendo Riot idea, because uh, that's what is that is one of the things you were asking about. Uh, I was thinking maybe uh, I don't know what that ride is called, where it uh, shoots you up and down, you know, just bouncing. Like uh, you're in the chairs and you just go up and down. Yeah, kind exactly. Of thing? Okay, yeah. Uh, what if it was uh, Mario in his uh, you know uh, brick breaking pose, and you're riding in his uh, one of his coverall pockets, and you're stomping on a Goomba. <laughs> Now, are there bricks above you that you have to punch? Sure. Okay, great. Sure. That, that, that'll, uh, that'll send you down. Stomping on the Goomba there, will send you back up. There's a waiver so. that you have to sign, of course. Yeah, exactly. Just, oh, I don't know what those rides are actually called, but I call them uh, peeing in my pants. That's what I call them. Um, and I do have one more uh, arcade memory that uh, just occurred to me. There's, uh, I, as some of you may know, I'm originally from California. And uh, there's a, uh, in Southern California, there's an arcade there called Golfland at the time. And it was a test arcade. Um, and they had Street Fighter 1, which isn't any kind of feat to, to have or have played. But I don't know if you knew this, the original Street Fighter game, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Doc knows this, uh, the original Street Fighter game, because uh, I, I, have you ever heard of Golfland in uh, Southern California? It was like a test arcade, since you know about arcades. I have not. Well, the reason I brought that up was uh, they had Street Fighter 1. As a kid, I didn't realize how special seeing this particular Street Fighter cabinet was. Back then, the original, yeah, it was only one punch button and only one kick button, but it was giant-sized, and you had to smash it. <laughs> so the harder you smash it, you're now hitting, you're doing a, a, a fierce, and a, a light is a little enough. jab. And so many people injured themselves doing that that they <laughs> now made the six-button iteration that we all know today, but that was the original. And I had no idea. Yeah, I saw that as a kid, and I'm like, that's cool. Uh, there. I, I thought it'd be back there again next time I came back. Took it all out because it caused way too many injuries. I believe that. A bunch so, of temperamental kids losing at fighting games. So just I'm know sure that, uh, that, that six-button uh, fighting games that you play all came from two large, you know, like uh, whack-a-mole <laughs> punch and whack-a-mole <laughs> kick and how strong you are. And you're, you bloodied your hand for the sake of your fight, you know. So, so it's kind of realistic even. Yeah, yeah very. There was, that, they were, you know. Ahead of their time, before their time, so. Yeah, very cool. I'm glad Doc knows it. Thank <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, Ryan. Thanks. We had actually uh, recently seen um, 
one of those original Street Fighter cabinets. It's a very large. Uh, it's, we might be getting one here. It was uh, converted to a Tekken cabinet, of all things, and it didn't have the punch pads. Uh, we had seen it in Mississippi, so we didn't have enough room for it on the truck, but they supposedly still have it, and we're already planning a trip back out there, so hopefully we'll be able to get it and have it restored here at the arcade. Because we, for a long time, were the only arcade in the U.S. to have the original Street Fighter, and uh, it would just be great to, to have that back here. So it's, I'm, I'm very, very familiar with the cabinet. It's, it was so amazing to actually see one in person. I had never seen one before that. So Amazing. All right. Uh, well, unless there are any more questions. Um, John, what do you, is there anything uh, coming up that you'd like to make sure everybody knows about? Um, you know, the only thing that I can think of that I've got coming up right now is the um, 30th of this month. Uh, Views for Villains is going to be performing the rescheduled show that we had planned uh, for Fearless Radio. Uh, we're going to be doing a, a benefit for them. Uh, for those that aren't aware, we were supposed to perform uh, for them at the end of uh, April, but the plumbing burst in the venue and flooded out, and we had to reschedule it. They're going to honor tickets that were purchased, but you can still purchase them online. If you guys have any questions, you can message me or uh, you know anybody in the band, and we can uh, direct you on where to go to do that. But uh, that's it until June. Again, a, a big show coming up in June. Uh, it's not. Uh, it's not. It's inches from being confirmed. I don't want to talk about it till it is. But uh, it's coming up. That's it. You're, you're still Joe, not claiming. You? You're still not claiming that, John. You're the reason the pipe burst. You're just. You're not going to say that claim. Yes, it's me. <laughs> I broke it. <laughs> uh, Goat, how about you? Uh, let's see. What am I doing lately? Uh, the new project's moving along. We're trying to get music out to people as fast as possible. Um, Codename Phoenix. A couple of my. Uh, Bandmates are in the audience. That, that Hi, some of Codename Phoenix. <laughs> those, those two fellows. Uh, but we are working on music to get it to you as soon as possible. Uh, follow us on Twitter at uh, Phoenix Codename, and we will work furiously to get that to you ASAP. Doc, I know you've talked about a bunch of events you have uh, coming up. Is there anything uh, specific that you want to re-mention, make sure that people know about anything coming up in the arcade? Um, probably the, uh, the T20 uh, a tournament that's coming starting on uh, Thursday, May 28th. Um, it's running through uh, through through Sunday. So a lot of great players. It's going to be a turn a high score tournament in uh, 20 games. Uh, a lot of prizes. A lot of in- industry celebrities will be here. Uh, some of the Mortal Kombat actors. A lot of uh, developers and creators from like Brian Colon who made Rampage and Jeff Lee who made Qbert and. Many others. Um, definitely going to be a really good time. Some of the best players flying in from around the world, and should be uh, a, should be a great great weekend. All right, cool. On my side of things, um, on the off chance that there are any Bronies in the audience or Pegasus sisters that want to drive up to Minneapolis on June twelfth to fourteenth, uh, I'm uh, involved in the convention up there. I'm doing the social media side of things now. Up there, I'll be covering it. Uh, it's going to be a bunch of a uh, really fun time. Uh, a bunch of the voice actors are coming up. Proves uh, it, sh- it should be a, a lot of fun, you know, if, if you're a brony. Uh, if you're not even. Um, aside from that, um, on Facebook, you can hang out with uh, all of us in this room. Um, uh, well, at least on these three. Uh, we have a Facebook group called The Players Club. You can find us all there. Um, and, uh, yeah, those are two places that you can definitely um, have a good time. Uh, also, just want to mention, um, if you've enjoyed the show and you like, uh, like, what, we, uh, like what we got going on here... Um, all of the different places where you can find us are up here on the banner. I'll also mention them at the end. We also have merch available for sale. Uh, Michelle's in the back there. Hi, say, say hi, Michelle. Wave. 
That's Michelle. She's, she, she's selling our merchandise for us. We have uh, T-shirts for $12, uh, buttons and stickers for $2 each. And we have a bundle where you can get a shirt, a sticker, and a T-shirt for $15. It's such Woo. a bargain. Um, so, yeah, uh, we would appreciate your patronage if you have enjoyed what uh, we've been doing here. Um, so, aside from that, if you've liked what you heard, you can find us at GamerHeadRadio.com, at Facebook.com backslash GamerHeadRadio, at Google.com backslash plus GamerHeadRadio, and on Twitter at GamerHeadRadio, where I am at T-E-K Charlie, Goat is at Sir Goatsworth, John is at the Fallon Flynn, Doc, our uh, social media, anything you'd like to share for you? Uh, probably the best place is on uh, Facebook. Uh, just look us up at uh, Galping Ghost Productions or Galping Ghost Arcade. Makes sense. Uh, you can email us at ga- editors at GamerHeadRadio.com or call in. Yes, thank you, Roadrunner. And, or uh, call in leave us a message at 94926Gamer. Also, Roadrunner, our fifth host. You can find him in the back row here at Galping Ghost Arcade. Uh, download the official GamerHead Radio app on Google Play on Android or subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, YouTube, Twitch, or with your podcast downloader of choice. Uh, thanks to everybody who came out to watch us. Thanks to everybody who's watching on the Twitch stream. Um, this episode will be available for download on the website and all the places I just mentioned, as well as on Twitch and on our YouTube channel shortly. Uh, with all that being said, this has been Gamer Head Radio. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. You, it's, we're done. You can go now. Yeah. No. We're free. Play the games. We're going to be out there to come play with everybody shortly. Yeah. We're taking game challenges from anybody for the game. This episode of Gamerhead Radio was recorded in front of a live audience at the Galloping Ghost Arcade in Brookfield, Illinois on May 9th, 2015. The video version of this show is available at twitch.com backslash GamerHeadRadio and youtube.com backslash GamerHeadRadio. Once again, we would like to thank everyone at Galloping Ghost for having us, our co-host Doc Mac for helping to make such a great show, and of course all of our fans new and old that came out to watch us record. More information about the Galloping Ghost can be found at gallopingghostarcade.com.